Good morning. Today is Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. The Torah that we received on Shavuos, we receive in two parts. There is the written law, the five books of Moshe, and there is the oral law, the explanation that God gave to Moshe at the top of Mount Sinai that was taught to us originally orally, later written down and forms part of our works that we have, the Mishnah and the Talmud and the Midrash. Both of them are considered to come directly from God. And one of the things that that means is that every single portion in the Torah is incomplete without the oral law explanation of it. In fact, some passages in the Torah, quite a number, are actually misleading if we only look at the literal text in the Chumash itself without the oral law explanation of what it really means. That is the only way to have an accurate picture of our Jewish view of these narratives is to have both together. One particularly sharp example is in this week's Torah portion, the Parsha of Nasso. It is the subject of Sota. The subject of Sota is a very, very difficult, uncomfortable, hard to understand subject. And it will still be difficult and uncomfortable and hard to understand after I finish what I want to share with you this morning. It starts with a premise. And the premise is that according to Torah law, adultery is a capital crime. Because, again, Torah values indicate that society cannot survive if adultery becomes accepted and normalized within society. So the Torah gives us the following scenario. You have a married couple, husband and wife, and the husband, for whatever reason, becomes jealous that his wife is maybe being unfaithful with another person. And so he expresses to her in the presence of witnesses, I suspect that you are having an adulterous affair with so-and-so. He names a person. He suspects his wife of having an affair with a specific person. I suspect you of having an affair with so-and-so person. Then the next step is this woman then spends time alone with this person her husband accuses her with. There are witnesses that saw them alone, let's say walking into a house together. There are no witnesses about what went on. But at that moment, the man and that woman have, have, have violated the biblical prohibition against Yichud. A married woman, just like a married man, is not allowed to be alone with someone else in any way that other people cannot see where they are. That's called yichud. It's a prohibition. There are a number of details to it. But the bottom line is, this woman who has been accused, whether, whether 
falsely or correctly accused by her husband of having an affair with this man, then proceeds to go into a secluded place with this man. She has now broken Jewish law. That's not a capital crime, but she has done something that gives much more credibility to the husband's fear and complaint. At that point, during the time when the Beis Hamikdash is standing, at that point, this woman becomes a sota. A sota is taken by her husband to the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. And there, there is a ceremony that takes place, which is briefly described in our Torah portion, but in much more detail in a volume of the Talmud called Sota. There is a ceremony that takes place. There is an oath that she is required to take that asserts that she did not act in an adulterous fashion. And then she's given a potion to drink. And her status is then made public. If she is innocent, then she is blessed. Nothing happens to her. She leaves with a blessing. And if she is guilty, then Nebuch, God forbid, she will die as a result of her sin. Now, in order to understand what's happening, we need to know how the oral law explains what's happening. Because there are a number of details that are not in the text, but that are crucial to understanding this narrative. Number one, a husband is not forced to take his wife. If a husband suspects his wife of having an affair, he could decide to accept it. He could decide to divorce her. He could decide to get over it. He could decide to ignore it. He's not required to bring her to the, to the base of Migdash for this Sota ceremony. That's number one. And number two, no woman is forced to undergo this ceremony. She does not go against her will. She can either receive a get from her husband. She will not receive a financial settlement because she did objectively act incorrectly in the presence of witnesses that meets a legal standard of acting improperly in her marriage. So, uh, sh so she will lose the financial settlement settlement that would otherwise be payable at the time of divorce, but she can just take a divorce and walk away. Nothing happens to her. Nothing. If she admits that she did something wrong, she, she admits that she commits adultery, then it goes no further. She and her husband should divorce, but no further ceremony, nothing else happens. If there would be proof, if there would be witnesses that actually saw the two of them engaged in an act of adultery, that would be a judicial manner that would go to court and it would play out according to the rules of Jewish criminal law. If she refuses to appear, she cannot be forced to appear. Or if he refuses to take her, she does not have to come. Or, as I said, he accepts. 
Furthermore, if her husband was also guilty of adultery, then she, if she goes through with this, will not be found guilty herself because there's no double standard. Adultery is equally wrong for a man as well as for a woman. And if in fact she is guilty and she drinks the water and she is harmed by it, her paramour, the man with whom she committed adultery, will likewise be punished. Again, no difference in the outcome between the man and the woman in terms of adultery. So presumably, if she is guilty, she's not going to drink because the Torah is pretty clear about what's going to happen to her if that happens. If she's innocent and it's something private, so there's no other consequence to this, she wouldn't drink. Why should she go through the embarrassment and the publicity of having this known publicly? The only situation in which the ceremony of Sota takes place is when, number one, the couple is married at this time. A husband has no right to complain about whatever sexual activity his wife had before they were married, just like a wife has no right to complain about her husband's sexual activity before they were married. Of course, they could decide for that reason not to marry each other, but um, but once they are married, an action, a sexual act before marriage is not in the category of adultery. Adultery is only during the time that the couple is married according to Jewish law. So the only time that she would actually go through with this and drink this water, for a normal person at least, is if, number one, she is innocent, but number two, people are gossiping about her because her husband complained, because he were witnesses, because there was some activity that was incorrect. There's gossiping. There's rumors. In other words, Sota is intended as a ceremony to offer her a chance to clear her name. That's the purpose of it. Now, I recognize when you read through the verses in the Torah itself by themselves, it doesn't seem like that. But when we understand it in the backdrop of how oral law explains it, it is clear this is the purpose. This is why it's here. To be able to refute those who are spreading, spreading the Shon Hara, negative speech, gossip about her. And the only way that it's possible to do that is through a mechanism called Deus Ex Machina. Deus Ex Machina is a literary term from Greek literature that means God coming down from heaven. It was used in Greek plays in certain times. But what it means is the only way out of this story is for some miraculous supernatural occurrence to happen to quiet all of these gossipers because otherwise there's no way for it to stop. So here's the main question. 
Why is this taking place in the base of Migdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem? It would appear that this should take place in court. This is a legal matter. You have a doubt about whether a crime was committed. Remember, adultery is a crime in Jewish law. You have a doubt about whether a crime was committed. Go to court. Shouldn't judges be the one to decide this? Why in the world is it being brought to Kohanim, to the priests in the Beis Amigdash, in the Holy Temple? What has it got to do with them? The answer is because marriage is Kiddushin. It is a relationship that builds holiness. When a marriage is in trouble, it is the Kedusha that is affected. Not the legal issue. It is the level of sanctity is this relationship still holy, still sanctified, or has it lost its sanctity? If there were actual witnesses to the actual act, that would go to court. But here we're talking about rumors. We're talking about people gossiping. A marriage is in trouble. Does it still have holiness or has it lost that holiness? And just by the way, there's a very practical application of this for all of us who are married, not, God forbid, with any kind of dramatic uh, scenario like this, but just simply from time to time, you know, a married couple should uh, check in with each other. Is our marriage still holy? Do we have a bond of love or have we just grown to, you know, uh, we're living together as husband and wife and, you know, be more hassle to to change our plans. And if we feel that there's not enough holiness, we need to take the steps to reintroduce that holiness. That applies to all of us. But why is all of this necessary, this terrible, possibly harmful, possibly humiliating ceremony in public? Why is all this necessary? Because there is no other way to undo Lashon Hara. When people start gossiping, when people start saying negative things about someone else, you can't unring the bell. That's the message of Sota. All of these people talking about her, all of these people gossiping, that's the negative power, the destructive power of vindictive, nasty speech. People speaking negatively about others kills them, destroys them, and it can't be fixed. Only if there would be a miracle. Only if God himself would intervene in a supernatural way. To say, this woman is innocent. Otherwise, there's no way to stop the rumors. I'm sure you've heard this story before. In multiple variations. And it's a story that bears repeating on a regular basis. There was a man <clears throat> who had a long history <clears throat> of speaking ill about 
his rabbi, the rabbi of his community. He would gossip about the rabbi. He would tell lies about the rabbi. He would complain. He would say things, criticize. This went on for a long time. Finally, the man decided, I've been wrong. I should not have done that. I want to change my ways. I want to improve. I want to do teshuva. I want to repent. Well, of course, as we've learned before, the first step of repentance, if in a sin between one person and another, is to go to the other person and ask for forgiveness. So this man goes over to his rabbi and says, Rabbi, I know you know for a long time I've been saying these negative things about you and I feel terrible. I want to change my ways. I want to repent. What should I do to be forgiven? What should I do to do shuva? And the rabbi said to him, bring me a pillow. The man was bewildered, but he did as the rabbi said. He brought the rabbi a pillow. And the rabbi took the pillow and he ripped it open to the seam and all of the feathers flew out into the air everywhere, feathers flying everywhere. And the rabbi said to the man, now go pick up all the feathers. When we criticize someone else, when we belittle someone else, when we make fun of someone, when we embarrass someone, by doing these things, we're hurting each other. We're causing each other real pain. There's a fascinating detail in our Torah portion. The Torah says, so there's this potion this liquid that is prepared for this woman to drink. And either she'll, she will be shown to be innocent or she will be shown to be guilty. And the Torah says in how to prepare this, v'kosav es ha'olos ha'ele, v'kosav es ha'olos el me hamarim. They would take a piece of parchment and they would write down, as if it was a Torah scroll, but just a small piece of parchment, this paragraph of the Torah, this paragraph, and then they would grind it up into little pieces, into to dust, and then put it into this water. And that's what the woman had to drink. Our sages ask, hold on one second. Included in that paragraph that you're saying to write and then destroy by grinding it up, that you're writing a Torah scroll, a, a passage of a Torah scroll that has God's name. We're not allowed to erase God's name. We're not allowed to destroy God's name. If we have a safer, a book, a Torah scroll, even it's worn out, we bury it. We show it honor and respect. We're not allowed to destroy it ever. How in the world can the Torah say, write down this paragraph, which includes God's name, and then destroy it? That's against the Torah. And the Talmud says it's as if God is saying to us, if there's a way to bring back harmony between a husband and wife, if there is a way to clear the reputation of a woman who has been falsely maligned, I, God, I'm willing to give up my honor. Let my name be erased. Just bring about peace. Bring about reconciliation. That's more important. But without that, it's not possible to completely fix it. 
without that kind of a miracle, without that kind of deus ex machina, there's no other way to fix it. And so what Sota ultimately teaches us is that we can only work harder to avoid speaking in that manner. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.